Chart Chat is a member of the Tiege.fm network from WTJU Radio. Find out more at Tiege.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, November 6, 2017. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the U.S. and U.K. charts. Caitlin, what's going on? Not too much. It's that time of year when all my students are sick, and yeah. that means I'm sick. All so right. I'm going to try to be my peppy self today, nonetheless. Those undergrads, sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll do that to you, <laughs> but we love them anyway. Oh, yeah. Other things we love include the U.S. chart debuts. Which are as follows. Um, <laughs> at number 100, we have Future and Young Thug with three. Debuting at number 98, it's Liam Payne with Bedroom Floor. At number 92, it's Future with For the Gang. Number 88, it's Selena Gomez and Marshmallow with Wolves. Debuting at number 84 is Candy Paint by Post Malone. Debuting at number 77, it's All to Smoke by Future and Young Thug. Debuting at number 68, it's Feed Me Dope by Future. Debuting at number 62, it's No Cap by Future and Young Thug. Debuting at number 61, it's Meant to Be by B.B. Rexa and Florida Georgia Line. At number 50, it's Paddock Water by Future and Young Thug featuring Offset. And debuting at number 13, it's Gorgeous by Taylor Swift. Caitlin, what you got on the other side? We have a lot of crossover this week. In fact, three songs at different places in the charts, though. So I'm going to start us off with number 99, Kygo featuring The Night Game, Kids in Love. At number 94, we have Niall Horan on the loose. 89, we have Future and Young Thug featuring Offset with Paddock Water. Number 40, we have NF with Let You Down. At number 30, Crept and Conan, Crept and Cronin, I almost said. Crept and Conan featuring Stormzy, Ask Flips. At number 28, we have Liam Payne with Bedroom Floor. At number 20, we have Rita Ora with Anywhere. And finally, at number 15, we have the one and only Taylor Swift with Gorgeous. Tanner, talk to me about these U.S. charts. Okay, well, as you probably noticed, most of the debuts this week in the U.S. charts are from two well-known rappers, Future and Young Thug. And that's because they put out a mixtape jointly a couple weeks ago. Uh, Two weeks ago, actually. Super Slimy. Really good name. Really good cover. Less good of a mixtape. And so I'm hoping maybe we can kind of get to the bottom of why that is. Um, In a general sense, I felt like the two were kind of on autopilot, and that was especially the case for Future, which is why with these excerpts I'm going to play, I'm going to pretty much focus on Young Thug because he's the one who both exemplifies some of the problems that I had with these songs and also exemplifies some of the exceptions. And plus it's also a kind of nice callback to last week where, of course, we talked about him or rather I talked about him and how much I enjoy his unconventional singing and use of autotune on Chris Brown's uh, High End. Um, And sort of to that end, sort of a weird juxtaposition here, I'm going to play a bit of Three by Future and Young Thug. Yeah, 
so frustrating, Caitlin, because on one hand, <laughs> okay, so on one hand, like I think this is probably the best beat out of the chart debuts. I'm especially sure. a really big fan of at the end of the phrases, there are those kind of flutter kicks mm-hmm. that come in once the sub bass hits as well. Um, it's subtle. It's really, it's really cool. And Thug's rapping is actually really, really good. Comes out hot out the gate and then suddenly switches to some more flexible singing <laughs> that just kind of it's Tanner not is squirming i'm squirming i'm it, squirming <laughs> because it's my issue is not that he's doing weird things rhythmically when he sings or that he sounds weird my issue is that he started the song and the beat of the song so clearly call for that sort of just like go 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 intensity like you're, mm. you're going hard which is what Future does when he comes in. But that singing has so much pausing and kind of waiting and kind of just empty space hanging around that all of that momentum that got built up just kind of like face plants. Mm. And I don't know if that's something that struck you at all or... Definitely. I actually noticed too when I first listened to this that the beat is so clean. The production is so pretty Mm -hmm. on this song Mm -hmm. and then the vocals are so distorted it's almost like a kind of xxx tentacion type deal and that for me was a juxtaposition that i would it doesn't bother me that much but then when i started i guess reading your thoughts Mm. i was kind of like oh yeah it does it really almost like peters off yes that's a good way to put it yeah when it with focus at least and that was a little sad to see because and i noticed too that like i just mentioned um this is almost like a party song like people would play this at a party for maybe a minute the best part and then go to the next skip (laughs) (laughs) move on we all know those people right that change songs at a party uh this song's for them that's a very diplomatic way to put it i appreciate that thanks um and also, just kind of foreshadowing a little bit to one of those songs Caitlin's going to talk about, um, I also have a similar issue with Krept's, uh verse on Ask Flips in terms of all that empty space kind of sapping the momentum. Uh, but that will be to come later. Uh, but what comes next is one more track from Super Slimy, and that is All the Smoke. So that's an example of me really, really loving how unconventional his singing is. So on one hand, the beat is kind of like ghostly, kind of eerie, perhaps smoky, fitting the title. And then out of this smoke, you have this like really just like uncomfortably strained, like copious amounts of auto-tuned voice. And it's really, really disconcerting. And I love how uncomfortable it is. 
and Caitlin might feel differently. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm detecting. Yes, I want the raw audio files <laughs> of what his voice sounded like before the auto-tune <sighs> kicked in. And to me, it sounds like a case of the auto-tune didn't even know what pitch he was trying to go for, and it couldn't correct his pitch in the way that I guess maybe the producers wanted it to. Who knows? I feel like Tanner's point is super valid here about like the uncomfortability of the vocals but at the same time it just sounds to me like have you ever opened spotify and then like youtube at the same time on your computer <laughs> and then two different songs are playing and then you're like oh wow these are really clashing i'm really uncomfortable that's the sense that i get see i actually accidentally did that once with every single track on the rolling stones album some girls <laughs> i opened them all in audacity i was like wait i actually like this i need to come back to this so i can do something with this oh my so yes i know exactly what you mean and yes. i love that okay um, well there you go so i, I totally get what you mean <laughs> but I, I definitely think there's something to be said for the possibility that maybe this was intentional especially since oh absolutely like this is what young thug does in most of his stuff is that level of just like auto-tune to 11 <laughs> to kind of use a well-worn cliche and speaking of cliches um we're gonna move on to my last uh pick of the u.s debuts that i want to talk about which is wolves by selena gomez and marshmallow in your eyes there's a heavy blue want to love and want to lose sweet divine a heavy truth what do i want don't make me choose So I'm going to try real hard to not just evolve into needless complaining, but specifically the pre-chorus on the song, those dotted rhythms, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, like they are giving me like 2013 era Avicii in the worst way imaginable. Oh God. And like I have, like I'm conscious of the fact that that's just a style that I genuinely can't stand. I think it's really hokey. I think it's really corny. In the context of this song, I think it also clashes weirdly with the, I don't know if you want to call it a drop or a chorus or whatever, with the the vocal pitch shifting. Mm. Like those two don't really mesh that well, in my opinion, let alone with the verses, which I think are rather nice. You know, I've I've always been a big fan for a number of years now of Selena Gomez's voice. It's Mm. a really good uh, vocal performance from her on the verse. The guitar is nice. But then once that pre-chorus hits, I'm just like, no, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. 
that's becoming, I think, a really big thing in pop music right now is that really dominating pre-chorus with these backup vocals that are like you have a 600 person choir behind you. And I'm actually a fan of the drop in this song. I think mm. it's um, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but I think it's on Selena Gomez's part. It's pretty well done. And to go back to your point about like the throwback, I guess, to 2013, if Twilight was to make another movie in their saga, this would be like oh. on the soundtrack for it. Hands down. That is such a good, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. This is why you need to go into marketing for some label or something See, like that. See, exactly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, um, and one last point before moving on. It is also worth note, uh, noting that this is doing very well so far on the Hot Dance and Electronic Songs chart, debuted at number seven, um, with, of course, the potential to climb higher, depending on how much club goers uh, do or do not like it. Um, I think that's about all I have to say. So, Caitlin, Excellent. what you got? Passing the ball. Yep. All right. So I'm first going to talk about Liam Payne's Bedroom Floor. I am surprised at how this song is growing on me. Oh, no. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm. But anyway, here we have Liam Payne. Talking about me lately Telling all your friends how much you hate me But who you calling up when you get lonely When you get lonely, yeah You be saying real, real nice, real nice things When I'm touching you You be getting real, 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 real jealous When it wasn't you, oh And every now and my iPhone, iPhone rings I be telling you, I told you, I told you, I told you That was Liam Payne's Bedroom Floor. I'm a super fan of this steel drum that kind of crops up with only this one little lick that's mm -hmm. about four or five notes throughout the entire song. What I'm not a fan of is his iPhone song. Mm, yeah, less of that. <laughs> so um, this song compared to his most recent output and also the output of most of the other uh, former One Direction stars it's super saucy. Like, wow. Okay, Liam Payne. I almost feel, though, that it falls under this umbrella of, like, pop songs that get old before they even are released. Because uh, he's not... I feel like I've heard these words in this order almost before. And, I mean, he already kind of did that with Strip That Down. Yeah. Like, that was very, like, oh, okay. You want to be Iggy Azalea? Oh, okay. That's cool. You want to ape DJ Mustard? That's... All right. Sure. And now this being, like, okay, you made it to 2015. Right. Now, now we're doing like Justin Bieber purpose yeah. era mm -hmm. stuff. That's a really good connection. And I am shocked when I did some research on the song with how many songwriters were on this single track. Sure. I will list them for you. We have Jacob Hindlin, Charlie Puth, Amar Malik, Steve Mack, Aaron Jennings, and Noel Zenkanella. That's six people. That's six people. That's six whole people. Mm -hmm. Okay. I would like to make the argument that I think Charlie Puth is written all over this song. Mm -hmm. And he is really, um, whether you want to phrase it as to blame or to credit for 
what this song does. Um, I have three kind of Charlie Puth techniques. And those are um, the use of this really vulnerable head voice falsetto um, that Liam Payne does pretty much consistently through the whole song, especially in the choruses. Um, that hammering chorus. The chorus is only two lines. Uh. And it's repeated, repeated, repeated. He's driving it home. Yep. Um, and then I think the most important connection with Charlie Puth is the repeated words that are in the verses and the pre-chorus. Yep. Um, so if we think of Charlie Puth's attention, I think I can probably drive my point home. So I'm going to play a little bit of that for you right now. Please do. You've been running around, running around, running around, throwing that dirt all on my name. Cause you knew that I knew that I knew that I'd call you up. You've been going around, going around, going around every party in LA. Cause you knew that I knew that I knew that I'd be at one. All right, so that was Charlie Puth's Attention. Uh, you can check that full song out on our Spotify playlist if you would like to. Um, so here. Just to give you a lyrical example, you have Charlie Puth singing, you've been running round, running round, running round. Mm -hmm. And he has these sets of three where he repeats, knew that I, knew that I, knew that I, and then going round, going round, going round. He does this thing where he repeats words in a very kind of thematic unit type of way. And it's just excellent in how it descends and really, I think, grabs your attention. Um... Payne's song isn't necessarily in perfect threes, right? Um, but you can tell in this pre-chorus the real, real nice, real nice. Say that five times fast. <laughs> and then also harping on this real again. Real, 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 real jealous. And that's also hard to say really fast. Um, and then iPhone, iPhone, he repeats these things. I told you, I told you. All of these kinds of, I think, messages that are pretty subliminal kind of in this song. Whoa. Like this is about relationships, right? And he's, I think, highlighting certain phrases that maybe have to do with some of his angst and mm. sadness. He's trying to be like all saucy boy, you know? And I think it's it's really painful, that kind of uh, relationship. Yeah. Ha oh, pain, painful. was that my first good One Direction joke? I mean, you did you did mention attention earlier in reference to attention. So you're kind of two for two at this point. Yes. Love that. <laughs> um, and then again, we see Payne using his head voice here in the chorus, which again is only these two lines. Um, and, you know, but your clothes say different on my bedroom floor. You said it was over. You said it was over. And um, his voice is really nasally and thin. Yeah. Um, compared to his chest voice, which is actually kind of pleasant. It's mm -hmm. just very neutral, very good. Um, and honestly, like Charlie Puth or Adam Levine, I think would have been better choices on this song. Um, and I think he even sounds like Levine. Payne sounds a little bit mm. like Levine when he says the line, who you calling up when you get lonely. It's it, it almost sounds directly like Adam Levine. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. I think the point I'm trying to make here, maybe full circle, is that these games that record labels play with the One Directions, now Five Directions, mm -hmm. and comparing them to kind of like, um, who was the one that released the the song that you really liked? It was like a Beatles-esque 
Oh, I don't know if I loved it, but um, Harry Styles. Harry Styles, okay. Sign of the Times. Yeah, yeah. Sign of the Times. That's exactly it. And yep. he's going more like retro. Mm-hmm. And this is not that. And mm-hmm. it's all very, very exciting to follow. So that's it. That's all I want to say. <laughs> um, I think we can move on to Rita Ora's Anywhere. I'll give you a little clip of that. Rita Ora's Anywhere. Tanner mentioned earlier that Selena Gomez's song is like one step away from reminding him of Avicii. Mm-hmm. This song is also that. <laughs> um, well, and it actually literally is. Like Rita Ora and Avicii have collaborated before. I put that song Lonely Together in our Spotify playlist. Which is um, huge in the UK, or at least was. I don't remember how high it is now. Oh, yeah. At some point, yeah. Yeah, and um, I love Rita Ora. I think she's super interesting and her voice is she's like the ariana grande of the uk Mm. like she has a really really Mm. intense vocal range that i am impressed by um the guardian i thought came up with a really good i guess way to describe this song and they call it abba-esque electro pop I think that's super interesting, especially this pre-chorus, which you you could almost substitute Selena Gomez's pre-chorus into this song and you wouldn't notice a difference. Yes. I really, I would like to ponder that a little more. The ABBA-esque, I think, looking back on Mamma Mia and stuff like that, I see, you know, the kind of vocal delivery that they mean. I don't Mm. think they mean necessarily the musical side of things, but um, yeah, Something I was disappointed about in this song was that Rita Ora definitely doesn't push her voice at all. Mm. Um, And she just kind of comfortably stays in her mid-range, which is fine. Um, I also put in my notes here that she dated Calvin Harris, if anyone cares. Something that, again, caught my attention was songwriting. And the beginning of the song, we have this kind of plucky guitar line that is totally reminiscent of Selena Gomez's It Ain't Me. And I'm going to play a little bit of that for you right now so you know what I mean. Where along the lines we stop seeing eye to eye You were staying out all night And I had enough No, I don't want to know Where you've been and where you're going But I know I won't be home And you'll be on your own Who's gonna walk you through the dark side of the morning? Who's gonna rock you when the sun Who's gonna walk you through the dark side? 
All right, so that song was Selena Gomez's It Ain't Me. Sure was. Um, we have a common denominator here between these two songs, and that common denominator is Andrew Wyatt. He is a guitarist uh, based in L.A. He's solely responsible for this plucky guitar thing that's been going on in pop music lately. And he used to tour, he used to play live shows, and having a guitarist in the room on songs like these that are hitting EDM and dance charts hard Mm -hmm. is something that I think is really fascinating. And just to give you an idea on other songs, Andrew Wyatt's been on um, Camila Cabello's Havana, Justin Bieber's Let Me Love You, and they feature less guitar sounds, but um, still, it's, it's pretty cool to think about. You know, this guy is really making his mark on pop songs, and I don't think a lot of people would be really willing to maybe go that extra mile into <laughs> looking at sure. the songwriting. Um, yeah, so I thought that was cool. I think the drop part uh, is easily the best section of the song. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's a little bit closer more intimate than the pre-chorus that kind of opens up and there's all this space and the choir comes in and you know yeah it's it's a lot any anything to add i mean i also agree that the drop is the best part but that's also because i as someone who spends too much time with internet music styles am (laughs) always fond of really aggressive and rapidly changing like vocal pitch shifting Mm. and this has that all over the place and it's really cool so yeah. It makes me wish the pre-chorus wasn't awful. Yeah, we have to do a show that just focuses on pre-choruses. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we kind of are. Yeah. Like, I think that might be what this is turning into. That's so funny. I love it. Um, okay, I think I'm going to transition to my last song. This is Crept and Conan featuring Stormzy, and the song is called Ask Flips. Here's a little section of that for you. On computers, keep talking back, but you're lying like Lucius. I used to run man down in my nights, now I just do it in my pumas. Can't give me no back chat, I tell him shut up like Lucas. Free up my bros in a cell, when I give stabs, I open a mail. If I get the West, then I'm not phoning a girl. Had your WCW holding my belt, can't talk bait on a hot phone. Furs on like it's Moscow. I make the plug in Sweden. Like, I gotta try bring the stock home. I was on the road when gets me sing for me. I can make your girlfriend sing for me. See the car dash like Kimberly. In the trap house, seen in the me. I think they got it in for me. But we don't take checks in heat. We buy out the bar. Charms rest in peace. Bro came in them. He don't eat fast food much. Save all the chat. Don't get your dog moved up. The man took. Nobody asked you, cuz. Ask flips, don't even talk too much. Don't even talk too much. Don't even talk too much. All right, again, that was Ask Flips. Ah, this is right in my wheelhouse. It totally is. Oh, I love it so much. So we have this really spooky kind of synth line open the song, and then a second one comes in. And that's honestly when my heart flutters a little bit. Because, like, then you know. Then you know. You are in. In grime territory. Crept uh, and Conan are, I think, a little more on the hip-hop side of things. They're both 28 years old, best friends. Um, yeah, and they're, I think, technically qualified as a... Qualified, as if that's a thing. Um, they're called a rap and grime duo. 
Um, they're from Gypsy Hill and Thornton Heath, which I believe is in southern London. Yeah, and just their best friendship kind of elicited these names that they've called each other for 20 years, um, which I think is pretty cute. Um, they've been a really formative part of London's rap and grime underground. And here they enlist Stormzy, and he's currently, I think, the new Grime Waves poster boy. And oh my gosh. <laughs> Hit my heart. I can't. I may have a you're crush like, on Stormzy. You're like two steps away from fanning yourself. <laughs> I yeah. Know I am. Yeah. I just, I love Stormzy so much. Um, Conan opens a song with a like really great verse. I think um, something, I guess, to go back to the point that they've been really formative for London's grime scene is that they're really clever with their lyrics. A lot of people use their phrases and recycle and reuse things that they've written, said, stuff like that. I think. That's probably a good sign that they're doing doing something right that the people like. Which is sort of reminiscent of the Chris and Kim thing from a couple of weeks ago. Yes, with stealing Lethal Bizzle's lines. Yes, that's what it was. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, less of a problem, I think, when people give them sure. shout-outs in songs. And here, I think there's tons of material that could be used mm. and reused, and I love it, especially the Kim Kardashian line. <laughs> um, Stormzy's given the hook here. I think that is excellent. Crept and Conan have a really similar kind of timbre and flow to their voice, and Stormzy's way out there comparatively. Crept has a second verse of the song that's probably the weakest yeah. in terms of flow, not my fave. Yeah. And then Stormzy's verse, it's not the best ever. I would encourage listeners to look up a couple Stormzy songs on Spotify. He was, I believe, either this year or last year nominated for the Mercury Prize, which mm. is kind of like best up-and-coming musician uh, in Britain. And I'm going to play you just a little section of his verse so you can get an idea of what his voice sounds like compared to the other section, which was uh, Conan. just a little section of Stormzy's verse. Uh, Tanner, anything to add? Not a ton. I mean, you didn't play any clips of uh, Krep's verse, which is a wise decision, <laughs> but also the part that kind of ruins the song for me because similar to what I was saying earlier with uh, Three, where Young Thug is kind of devolving, so to speak, into all of this empty space that kind of saps the song of its momentum. That's kind mm -hmm. of how I feel Krep's verse is here. Sure. Um, but I think that's kind of all I have to say about it in general. It's a pretty cool song. Yeah, it's like the essay rule, how your professors say, you know, start off with your strong point, <laughs> sandwich your weak one in the middle, and then bring it all home, Stormzy. There you go. Sorry, Crept. <laughs> we okay. still love you. We I talked know. about whoa, whoa, whoa recently, and I, I quite like that. So Yeah, do better next time. We're still friends. Yay. Um, the last thing that I want to say, and I think some of our listeners might be able to relate to this, is if you ever had a really crappy Casio keyboard growing up with like hundreds of presets and they're like written on the keyboard, you know what I'm talking about, Tanner? Mm. Yeah. Um, I never thought that the choir settings from those Casio keyboards, the ones that are just like, oh, oh, and you like touch a note and it goes, oh would ever be put to good use in any kind of musical setting. And then I discovered grime and they use it all the time. And 
I think that's all I wanted to wrap up today with. There you go. Yeah, pull out those keyboards. <laughs> but now what we're gonna pull out is the pick of the week. I think we're just gonna go in blind. We're gonna we're gonna see what it uh what it sounds like. Mm, and then insert we'll end. Tanner's Taylor Swift soapbox. Oh geez, you spoiled it. You spoiled <laughs> it. It's supposed to be a surprise. Yes, the pick of the week is Taylor Swift's gorgeous. Gorgeous. You should take it as a compliment that I got drunk and made fun of the way you talk. You should think about the consequence of your magnetic field being a little too strong. Okay, so Caitlin mentioned that I have a soapbox, and I do. I've had a soapbox about Taylor Swift ever since Look What You Made Me Do came out. And I'm going to try to be concise, (laughs) because I don't want to give the wrong impression that I think any of the three singles that she has released thus far uh, from Reputation are like masterpieces, because I don't. I think they're all good to decent, somewhere in that range. I feel like people, I feel like Taylor Swift was going to get some sort of a backlash regardless of what she released. And I feel like, I don't know how to say this without being like, wham, wham, people are being unfair to Taylor Swift. So people sad. They love to hate her. They but love they, to hate they her. do. And they do in a way that feels like, almost feels like they're looking for things to get upset about. Mm-hmm. Like with Look What You Made Me Do, like I feel like it makes a lot of sense if your whole career has been predicated on, for the most part, a certain degree of earnestness. And then suddenly your reputation takes a couple hits and you want to go tongue in cheek and ham it up in kind of a clumsy way. I think that's a decent move as opposed to just going back to that sort of earnestness. Mm. And to me, this track feels like something that's kind of trying to be a middle ground between that sort of cheekiness and between that sort of earnestness. You know, the lyrics, they're not great. Taylor Swift, when she is in, I guess, sort of tongue in cheek mode can be a little... I don't know if clumsy is the right word, but a little... It's almost inconcise, I feel. Yeah. Something just doesn't land right. Like a little overbearing, me. maybe, yeah. in terms of like how like tongue-in-cheek it is. But then also sometimes that works really well, because she talks about her cat being alone with her cat in the bridge, which is kind of charming. <laughs> um, but I think... No, I, I can definitely say that I think the positives outweigh the negatives in the case of the song. It has been a really hard grower on me. When I first heard it, I was like, oh no, this is the first song that's making me actually kind of concerned about Reputation. And now I'm like, wait, no, this is the best single that has been released from Reputation yet. Mm. I still don't think it's anything amazing, but it is obscenely catchy. Uh, we were talking about pre-choruses earlier. This is another pre-chorus that I want to point out because it's, I think, the best part of the song. Yeah. You have these really graceful melodic descents, mm-hmm. uh, like what, what's the sunset and vine or whatever yeah. the words are on that part where she just kind of like eases into these notes. And then that's offset by the chorus, which has those sort of quintessentially Taylor Swift 
melodic jumps that I know you have more to say about. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So I completely agree comparatively better than her recent output. Good for her. Um, Taylor Swift is the queen of super simple and catchy melodic units. Mm -hmm. And our colleague Rami Stuckey has written about this. Yep. So I have to give him a shout out Absolutely. before I talk about this yeah. because um, I'm kind of riffing on a paper that he wrote that totally. he shared with us. Yeah. Um, so the first one I want to talk about is the course or the pre-chorus. Mm -hmm. My bad. Um, and Taylor, Taylor. Yeah. I'm going to yes, start calling hi. you ta Hello. Taylor. <laughs> it's me. She's here. Wow. The whole time. <laughs> wow. I'm so awful. Um, so, she plays here with a minor second, and I think this sets up the chorus so well. So, Sunset and Vine, she kind of descends using the notes G, F, E, C. So, just kind of descends there, and then she does that same unit over again, except this time she doesn't land on a C, she lands on a B. Mm -hmm. And, you know, perhaps that... C and B are a minor second apart. Mm -hmm. She creates this kind of tension using that interval. And it's super simple. It's done in such a tasteful way that once we get to, you know, You're So Gorgeous, in which she sings GGBC, we have these really juicy, tasteful, major and perfect intervals, mm. right? Major third, perfect fourth. The and tension has been the resolved. The tension releases mm. and it's almost odd and... I'm still getting my head around all that's going on in this song, especially like what her goal is with these lyrics. Like mm. she's showing a different side of herself, I think, where, you know, she hints that she's kind of tempted to cheat on someone because of like their looks or like she doesn't want to talk to them. And, you know, she's take it as a compliment that I didn't talk to you because like you're gorgeous, you know, like, wow, Taylor <laughs> Swift. Um, I, I relate, I think, to this side of Taylor Swift a little more. <laughs> um, Own it. Yeah, the pettiness. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. So I think the last thing that I want to say about this is in my collaborative dream world, uh, Lord would sing this song rather than Taylor Swift. Huh. And I may leave it at that. Food for thought. I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah. One last thing before we move uh, to the close here since we're wrapping up. Um I want to play just like a little bit leaning into the last chorus because I think one of my favorite, like just like little details in the piece, the song, track, whatever you call it, that sort of heightens what you were talking about with the tension in the pre-chorus and then the sort of resolution in the chorus. Mm. There's that little ding ah. but that like separates the two. So it's this clean break. And on the last chorus, you know, normally in the last chorus of a pop song, you kind of have like vocal runs overdubbed. Mm -hmm. And there's a version of this, but it's just one note when the chorus starts and it's just this oh, really clean cool. just boom and so i just want to play a little bit of that yeah just because it's it's really cool you make me so happy it turns back to sad there's nothing i hate more than what i can't have guess i'll just stumble on home to my cats <sighs> alone unless you want to come along you're so gorgeous so yeah, she does go on to other notes, but there's a pretty significant rest after that first note. So all you get is just this blast of... T-Swift. Yeah. <laughs> this blast of T-Swift that is very just... I don't know. There's a... there's Like you were saying kind of earlier, just like simplicity, directness. There's It's very... Mm. Um, Minimal. In a way that is very refreshing. There's not a lot of wasted space. Yes. Um, 
which is why it's our pick of the week. Yay! All righty. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to Chart Chat, your weekly uh, night in with your cats alone. <laughs> if you'd like to listen to all of this past week's chart debuts, you can find YouTube and Spotify playlists in the show notes. And if you have any questions, feedback, or corrections, you can get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in following us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at chartchat and on Instagram also at chartchat. Chart Chat's intro theme was written by Peter Kelly and our cover art made by Billy Phillips, both from Coronation Media. Coronation Media is a creative studio specializing in video production, animation, and graphic design. To learn what they can do for your company or organization, visit www.coronationmedia.com. Chart Chat is also a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J.fm. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And we'll catch you next week. BB Rexa, BB Rexa, BB Rexa, BB Rexa. Like I almost said, bebe. <laughs> <laughs>